Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. I happened to be at the hospital yesterday when a close friend of Nathalie's co-worker took his final breath on this earth, which always gets you to thinking about heaven, does it not? Because there, the body is still here, but the person that made up is not there anymore. And you and I know as believers that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in a place, not in Abraham's bosom, but heaven. And I think heaven for you and I is really the final frontier, is it not? It's, it's, it's the place where, where again, it's always been the preoccupation of God's people. This is what actually fills our hope and our expectation. Well, what gets you up in the morning? Well, it's not an alarm clock, but really the hope and the expectation that one day I'm going to be with Jesus. I mean, that's really what gets us up and motivates us. And he motivated. He goes, no, that's not me. It's the alarm clock. Well, then take a look at your walk because as believers, this is really what should motivate us to get up each and every morning to do what God has called us to do. Each and every morning where God calls us to bring glory to his name, that's what gets us up in the morning. And I think holding on to heaven holding on to heaven should give us a very light touch in this world. You go, I'm not sure what you mean by that. I think we need to be careful that we don't put our tent pegs too deep in this world. Specifically now, moving forward, we need to let a lot of stuff, eh, Pastor Ben said we shouldn't fix up our house. Pastor Ben said we shouldn't redo the floors. Pastor Ben said we shouldn't get a new... That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be careful, but we should be more heavenly-minded, knowing that that's where we're going to spend eternity. And I stop and think, what is heaven going to be like? And of course, you know the pictures, the Hallmark uh, portrays, you know, they they do a really good job of, of saying that we're all going to be angels sitting on clouds playing harps, you know what I mean? And, and that's not what heaven is about at all. I don't even know how to play a harp. Neither do you. <laughs> Heaven, guys, is a definite place, is it not? And it's our true home. It's our true home. I don't know if you realize this, but if you're taking note, here's just a simple fact. It's mentioned 55 times in the book of Revelation. Revelation. 55 times. But what John is going to see is something much more than we believe is heaven. He's going to show us the new heaven and new earth. He's going to show us now, this, I'm going to tell you right now, this is hard for our minds to really comprehend exactly what's going to go down. We are so used to our time and space here and here and now. We're used to it. When we leave Bible study tonight, We'll turn on the radio and we'll listen to Pastor Ben. There's the plug right there. Boom. Because I'm on at 8.30. Radio by Grace, 
but we're all going to go homes to the homes that we that we have. These are these are we're, we're familiar with the. But but I think about this. I think about what John's going to see. Now before we get into what John's going to see, let me just recap what we've talked about very 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 quickly. Okay, the rapture's taking place. Okay, we're going to hear a trumpet. Boom! The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Now I know there are people who fight. They'll fight me every step of the way. There's not a rapture. Thessalonians says there's a rapture. I'm ready to go. Okay? We're going to be harpazo. We're out of here. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, we're out of here. Can I get an amen? Okay, I love that. I love that. After that, guys, it's going to be seven years of the most horrific, horrible, I can't imagine what this planet Earth is going to go through. Nor do I want to see it. Nor do I want to be here. Which always for the believer says, Lord, I need to check my heart. How are things with us? You know, my, I want to make sure that I'm okay. I want to make sure. I mean, I, I, I think about this, guys. I, I think about the tribulation and I think about, I mean, everything that's going to go through. Um, even the last part where we covered where, where the Antichrist is going to set up a false religion. And how is he going to do that? Well, I don't know if you realize this, but even starting now and, and through the years past, he's trying to get people interested in spiritual things. Not the truth, not the truth of Jesus Christ, just spiritual things. And I had one person ask me to check out a few websites that were quite honestly demonic. You see, they're spiritual in nature and we're all spiritual, but they're not the truth of the gospel. And I know that people think Christians are narrow-minded. Well, you guys are narrow-minded. But it's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth of that, that God, God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so we could be reconciled back to him. And all he asks for you and I is that we would put our faith and trust in him and then let him do the work in our heart. And so after the seven years, where are we? We're in heaven, right? We're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're having a great time. I don't know. It's going to be a reunion. I don't know how this is going to go down. I Listen, I think of the, you know how we always say, that was the best day of my life. I can imagine thinking that, that in heaven, seven years, we're up there. And then we come back with Jesus, and there's a, there's a war. I think we're just there to witness it, because you know what it is, right? Boom, ding, done, it's over. That's the Battle of Armageddon, it's done. And, um, and then we have the millennial reign. We're going to rule, rule and reign with Jesus, guys. Check this out, for a thousand years, we're going to rule and reign. Well, what position should I have? What position? It all depends on your faithfulness here on earth. You understand that? Your faithfulness to serve God. Now, please understand me, or should I say don't misunderstand me, because when I say serve God, people think, well, I serve God. I sing on the worship team. I, I do children's ministry. I greet. I, I'm not saying serve the church. You should always serve the church and, and promote the Lord Jesus' church. I'm talking serve God faithfully, faithfully in your prayer time, faithfully in your Bible reading, 
and growing in God, faithfully in church service, faithfully in growing and the teaching of the word of God. We're serving God faithfully at the grocery store. When you know you don't have very much time, you've got to get through, and there's someone counting their change, and you're like, oh, I've got to get through, and you're just really angry. Faithfully serve the Lord. I think it's more than just a word. I think it's, how do we represent Jesus every day? How do we represent Jesus every day? You know, I was so blessed that Nathalie asked me to go to the hospital with her. I was so blessed. And this young man's mother was sitting there, and she doesn't know me from Adam. Not this Adam. She doesn't know me from anyone. And I was able to hold her hand and pray with her. Because we're serving Jesus. She doesn't know a lick of English. And God used my Spanish to actually minister to her, which I thought was pretty crazy. Isn't God good? But, but here's the point, guys. We're, we're serving Jesus. That's what we're going to be doing. So the, the more you're faithful to serve God is where you're going to be in the millennial reign. Now, here's what I told Nathalie this morning. I said, I hope that my faithfulness will allow me to serve in Jerusalem so I can be close to Jesus all the time. He's not like, um, well, let's see. Why don't you go to Lubbock? Lubbock, I was already in Lubbock. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I want to be in Jerusalem. No, well, you weren't real faithful. Okay. Yeah, bummer, dude. Did you hear? But I want our faithfulness so we could be close to our Savior. Close to our Savior. Not that there's anything wrong with Lubbock, okay? <laughs> People are like, you're, you're in Lubbock. No, I love Lubbock. I love Lubbock. There, there's other places, trust me. Don't send me there. I love Lubbock. But, I, but the point was I wanted to be close to Jesus, don't you? Don't you? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor, we have glorified bodies. We could just go, no, but I want to serve. I want to serve next to my Savior. You see, the Bible tells us, guys, this, and let this sink into your hearts. He says that we love him because he first loved us. He first loved us. And so as a, as a natural response, we love God. Love God. And if you love God, you don't want to do anything to hurt God. You love God. You don't want to put anything or anything, anyone above where God sits on your throne. Now, the biggest person that wants to always fight for the throne of God in my heart is me. He's all the time. Well, Ben, I think you deserve. Well, I, no, no. And, and there's always a struggle. It's the spirit versus the flesh. Isn't that a struggle? Not a struggle. But the point is, guys, I know and I realize how much God loves me, and so my natural response is, I want to love him. I want to love him. And so we reign for a thousand years, some crazy stuff, because there's going to be people that make it through the tribulation. So in the millennial, they'll have, they'll have 
normal human bodies. And we'll have to govern that in sort of a forced righteousness. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. After the thousand years, guys, is where we come to in chapter 21. Thousand years are up. So if the Lord Jesus were to come today, I would be, let's see, I would be 1,062 years old when we hit chapter 21. You go, how come? You're 60? No, you got to add the seven. Don't, don't make me older than what I am. But this is what we have to look forward to. And it's amazing. It's amazing. So please understand that as we've studied the book of Revelation, there's a shift here, if you will, in dimensions. Okay? We're leaving time and, and we're going to look at eternity. You understand that? Where you can't look at them through, through present glasses. You, you've got to look at eternity. Because now what he's going to do is he's going to make all things new. Everything is brand new. Keep in mind, it's probably way more than what John sees. But if you're taking note, you can write, this is a snapshot of the new heaven and the new earth. This is just a snapshot. I bet it's crazy. Now, for the sake of time, guys, he's going to give us a description, and I won't even be able to touch what it looks like. But let's jump in. Let's read 1 through 8 and come back. John says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why, John? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no more sea... Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4. And God will wipe away, check this out, every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, John, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderer, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, your attention, please. We can't make out everything here in the picture, but there's some key components that we need to go through, okay? And this should really excite our heart. Why? Everything is new. Listen to me. The frustration you feel today from this earth is going to be gone. 
the frustration, the depression, the sadness, the hopelessness. It's all gone. It's all gone. You go, well, what are some key components? If you're taking note, you can jot this down. It's new in type. New in type. Right? Because John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why? For the, fir- for the first her- heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. So right off the bat, he says, this is all new. This is all new. What you realize today, now, now remember, when we think about the millennial reign, yes, I still think we're going to be, uh, I mean, I don't know what the world is going to look like after seven years, but you know it's going to be pretty destructive. You understand that, right? But for, for a thousand years as we, as we rule and reign with Christ, I mean, it's still going to be this earth. Still going to be here. Okay, okay. But we'll have our glorified bodies. We'll be doing what God calls us to do. There'll be a forced righteousness. We know at the end of a thousand, a thousand years that the devil is released and he's going to try his last tactics with people, but then it's over. But this is different. This is gone, guys. This is gone. And I don't know, Tiffany, if we're going to be remembering any of this. I don't know if we're going to sit around at our mansion and go, hey, remember how earth used to be? Or if it's just brand new. But I know this. I know that it's new in type. Brand new. Well, what do you mean? Well, the Bible begins um, with the words in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the very first one. Now, the word create in the Hebrew that, that is employed in verse 1 is the word bara. B-A-R-A-H. Bara. You go, what does that mean? It means to create something out of nothing. Only God has that capacity. Can I get a good amen? When man creates, he's assembling existing materials. The Hebrew word for that is asa. Asa. And that means I'm going to be able to create out of already something that exists. But this new heaven and new earth, think how exciting it is, guys, that it's brand new. In other words, it's not your fixer-upper. It's not a remodeling job. It's not like, Lord, hey, let's get, let's get Chip and Joanna in here and let's do some. That's not at all what it is. It's brand new. It's brand new. It's a brand new thing. Think about this, because Isaiah prophesied about that. Isaiah chapter 65, 17 through 19, notice what he says. He says, For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Well, there you go. You're not going to remember this. And Isaiah writes, Be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as rejoicing and her people a joy and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and my joy in my people and the voice of the weeping shall no longer be heard in her nor the voice of crying. Something very interesting. Keep that up there. Go back to verse 17 if you don't mind. Notice the word create. Notice the word create up there, okay? Isaiah's writing this, Old Testament, and that word is bara. It's the same word Isaiah employs. It means to create out of nothing. 
So, what's he saying? All this is going to be a distant memory? We won't remember it? You won't remember the car you drove in high school? You won't remember any of... I mean, just... And I'm telling you what, this is a pretty cool world. I mean, I love the sunset God gives. I love the sunrises. I mean, he blesses us with trees. I mean, there's some beautiful places on earth, amen? Amen. There really are. There's some breathtaking. I mean, when you see the sun go down over the ocean, you're just like, oh my God, there is a God. But it really is on how you look at it, isn't it? It really is your attitude in your heart. I knew a lady a long time ago that she saw the positive on everything. The positive on everything. Okay? She loved Jesus. And I remember she got a flat. And instead of being upset, she was like, Oh, Lord, where am I supposed to take it? So you probably want me to minister to somebody. And I'm like, if that was me, I would have complained about the flat. Not today. I can't believe I'm going to flat. But it's all the way we see things, is it not? It's perspective. How do we get that perspective? Guys, it's important that we commune with God in the morning. God, check my heart. Because I don't know what's about to happen out there, but I do want to represent you well. I want to represent you well. And again, this is, this is uh, it's just our, our attitude. It's our attitude. So Isaiah says, and I'm, I, he's going to create something brand new. The new heavens and the new earth won't remember any of this stuff. Well, why is he creating something from nothing? Well, guys, the lesson is the first heaven and the earth are passed away. And he says, and there's not going to be any more sea. There's not going to be any more sea. Now, if Yvonne was in the room, she'd be super bummed. Because she loves the beach. Well, my wife loves the beach too. But, but there's not going to be any more sea. So that's going to be that's going to be very very interesting. But notice what what Second Peter three seven says. If you're taking note, he says, "But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men." So again, God's going to do away with this earth. I don't know what that means, if that's the last stand that Satan comes up. I don't, I don't know, but I know there's a new type. I also know this, point number two, there's a new capital. Look at verse two. It says, the eternal city of God is compared with a beautiful bride because of an eternal home for God's people. Let's, let's take a look at it one more time. Look at two. He says, then I, John, saw the holy city, notice, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, from God. Now, remember, we need to understand that heaven, and I think Mike explained this when he taught, there are different heavens up there. So when it says heaven, it's not coming out of heaven because it's going to be heaven and earth, but it's going to be coming from above. And so again, he says, this is what I saw. I saw New Jerusalem. And it was, notice, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. So again, guys, we see a brand new capital. But what I need to point out very quickly is we need to understand the city is not the church, as some have suggested. Well, this is the church coming down. It's not the church, guys. The city is more like the dress that covers or houses the bride of Christ. This is where we're going to dwell forever. Isn't that beautiful? 
But what's even, you know, it's kind of like those late night infomercials. But wait, there's more, right? There is more. It gets even better. If you order today, look, because not only do we have a new capital, but we have a new relationship. Look at verse 3. He says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle. Do you guys see that in your Bible? The word tabernacle always means to dwell. The tabernacled with us, to be with us. He tabernacles inside you. Okay? And he's going to, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Amen. He's going to wipe away, guys. He's going to, he's going to dwell with us. How many of us long to be with God? Or at, I mean, we want to be with God, but we, we would so love for him to tabernacle here. And, and God says, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to do this. We're going to be like this. We're going to be all tabernacled together. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to wipe away every tear, and there's going to be no more death, and no more sorrow, and no more crying, and there shall be no more pain, for their former things have passed away. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Write context on this, because here's what we say. Sometimes when we say, well, if this person passed, they're in heaven, and there's no, they're walking on streets of gold, and, and there's no more tear, and there's no more death, which is, which is possible. I don't, but what John is saying is in the new heaven and the new earth, this is the context. Okay, so the new heaven and the new earth, why? Because I believe that in the thousand years that we're going to see death. There's going to be people who would make it through the tribulation, and they're going to die. And there'll be more babies born, and they'll die. So there's still going to be death, even with God, with Jesus ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. But here, after, he says, no. And there's not going to be any more pain. That should be a big amen for you, Joe. Man, for the former things have passed away. All our hurt knees, all our backs, all our elbows, all our, all that's going to be gone. I'm so looking forward to that. It's going to be so super cool. It's going to be so super cool. But the most important part is not the fact that we won't have any death or pain or, or any of this stuff. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be that, that God dwells with his people. God dwells with his people. And as John held the new heaven and the new earth and the beautiful Jerusalem, he hears this great voice. He's like, whoa. But what you need to understand is that right here, when God speaks, go back Go back to verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven. This is God speaking, but this is the last time uh, of the 21 times that term great voice is mentioned. This is it. This is that great voice. And I think the greatness of the voice tells us, guys, that, that it's revealed in great importance and it's authoritative. Why? Because the voice declares, he says, listen to me, the tabernacle of God is with men. You go, well, Ben, I thought God was dwelling with us. He is through the power of his Holy Spirit, 
But because we're still flesh, we don't have all of God. I mean, we're still flesh. And we still sin, and sin separates us. But here, I think, man, in our glorified bodies, I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be so amazing. But here's what I love about this, guys. The work of salvation is now complete. So God is going to dwell with his people. He's going to dwell with his people. Now, jump forward with me just a few verses, guys. I want to show you something. Jump to verse 22. Okay, same chapter, verse 22. He says, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple, and the city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is is its light, and the nations are those who save, shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring glory and honor to it. Guys, notice Notice, the purpose of the temple and the priesthood was to provide a place where man could meet with God. As a matter of fact, that's why we have church. We come to church. They had temple, but it was a place where we can come and meet with God. Now, obviously, right? Captain Obvious says we can meet with God in our homes. We can meet with God in our, in our uh, cars. But here's the place where we can come. Well, the temple was the same way. It was that place. But in the new Jerusalem... There is no need for such a place because God is present with his people. Now, what I find, this is going to blow you away. There's not going to be a sun or a moon because his glory is going to illuminate the city. Now, you won't have a body, so you won't be, you, you won't have a human body. You'll have a glorified body, so you won't go to bed at 830. Because you won't be tired, and it won't be dark. Right? What happens today? Man, as soon as that sun goes down, your pajamas are on, and you're just like, how's it going? I'm tired. Tired. I'm looking at poor Adam. Tired. Tired. But there won't need to be a sun or a moon. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I want to show you something super cool. You go, what's that? I want you to notice the direct relationship between the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. You go, what's, the, what's that? Okay, check this out. Genesis answers the question, how did it all begin? In the beginning, God. That's Genesis. Revelation answers the question, how does it all end? You're like, wow. Wow. Genesis gives us the beginning of sorrow and death. You understand that? Revelation actually shows us the end of sorrow and death. There's no more. There's no more. Genesis tells us about paradise lost. But Revelation shows us how paradise is restored. Genesis saw fellowship with God broken. Adam and Eve. But Revelation here shows us how God is now dwelling with men. Can I make a case in point and move on? Why are churches not teaching the book of Revelation? It's, 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 it's the final part. It's the final. Well, we'll teach Genesis. Amen. But oh, we stay away from Revelation. You know, realize that in a lot of churches, not all, but a lot of churches, they'll stay away from this book. They don't want to get into it. 
But it's but it's the it's the unveiling of Jesus. We see more of Jesus in this book. As a matter of fact, we get a blessing if we'll obey it. I love that. I love that. And if the Lord Jesus doesn't come back in a couple of years, we'll probably have to go through it again and say, okay, it's updated. It's updated. Our world is updated. I mean. But it goes on in verse 6. And he said to me, this is the Lord speaking, it is done. I love this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. That's a great place for an amen. He who overcomes, that's us, shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. The strongest, most loving point I can make at this point is make sure you're in the family of God. Make sure you're in the family of God. Because one of the scariest verses that I've ever read is in Matthew, right? Matthew's gospel. We studied it earlier, chapter 7, you remember, where there was a group of people that said, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Do this in your name. Lord, Lord, didn't we do that in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? And the Lord sadly looks on and says, depart from me. I never knew you. What does that mean? That we can do church but not know Jesus. We can do church but not know Jesus. He should be our everything. And, and from that should stem all of our relationships. Does that make sense? In us should be the, the love of God should be everything. He's my motivation. He's what gets me up in the morning. He's what puts the smiles on my face. He's, what, he's who corrects me when I need correction. He who encourages me when I need encouraging. And all part of that should stem all the rest of my relationships based on my relationship with Jesus. Can I share this with you? If you're vertical with God is hurting your horizontal will be hurting as well if you are not in a great intimate place with Jesus a lot of your relationships might suffer because of that let that sink in for a moment a lot of our relationships are stemmed from our walks with God and they transfer this way So it stands to reason that we need to have a great relationship with Lord. That's where you offer forgiveness to your spouse. That's where you offer mercy. That's where you're able to walk with them because you know who you are in Christ and you've had that relationship with them. If you're in here and you're married, intimacy goes far beyond the bedroom. It's spiritual intimacy. It's walking. It's talking. It's... it's um. It's sharing Jesus. You got to have that. But verse 8 changes direction. Do you guys see it? But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually more sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall leave 
or shall have their place in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So he changes. He's like, listen, this is going to be great, but these people... Now, we're going to get into that for just a moment, but here's what he says. Go back for a minute. Look at verse 6. The Lord said to me, it is done. Do you guys see that in your Bibles? This is a statement that's actually used by a carpenter who actually completes his work. When you're having a remodel and, and the carpenter is done, he goes, okay, it is done. I'm done. This is what it means. It's all, it's all completed. And that's the same word here. And I love the fact that 2,000 years ago, the master carpenter said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And now he's saying it's done. It's done. Now, notice again. Notice in verse 6, guys, that he doesn't prepare a fixer-upper. It's not, it, it, it's, or it's a good starter home. It's done. It's done. But I want you to see it's also a very safe place. Because he says, he says, there's going to be an absence of evil. It's going to be an absence of evil. And then he gives us a list of those who are actually shut out of the new heaven and the new earth. You go, what? Those will no longer be part of our world. Who? The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, all. all of these are no longer going to be part of our world. That trips you out, doesn't it? Because you think, it's like, wow, wow. Because we grow up in this world and we always think, well, somebody has an angle. You're lying. You're not telling the truth. Whatever it might be. And we always, I mean. What about the people who say to you and I, all roads lead to God. All people eventually go to heaven. I wish that were true. I really do. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that. Why? Because he just told us there's a list of people who are going to be shut out. All roads lead to God, but I'm a liar. Well, well, what are they? Well, first of all, let's go through them very quickly, guys, just so you get an idea. Cowardly. What does that mean? Cowardly. He says, fearful. These are fearful. These are people who would not make a stand for Jesus. They're cowardly. Make a stand for Jesus. And then he says, there's, there's the unbelieving. These are those who would not put their trust in Jesus. They would not follow through. Those who put their confidence concerning, concerning eternal life, someplace else other than God. Can I give you an idea? A lot of people are putting their faith and trust in religion. Religion. This is how I was brought up. This is what we're doing. I'm, I'm, and it's like, no, no. You see, John uses a very interesting word when he says that we need to believe in Jesus. It's not just like, I believe, or this is how I was brought up, and, and this is my religion. He says, believe is just, it's made up of three Greek words, and it means you're going to put your faith and trust in someone. And you're going to jump in with all of your heart. You're going to have the confidence that you're saved. That's the belief. That's the belief. These people don't have that. He says there's the abominables. Guys, see that? These are those who practice abominations. According to Leviticus 18.22, it says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as a womankind. It's an abomination. 
That's what Leviticus says. He says murderers. Murderers. Don't you, aren't, aren't, aren't you glad for the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? You go, why? Because he just said murderers. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm a murderer. Because Jesus came on the scene and he says, hey, if, if you're mad at your brother, it's the same as a murderer. If you're, if you're driving down uh, Loop 289 and, and uh, your brother cuts you off and you get, it's like, oh, oh. Well, Lord, I didn't murder anybody. I'm so glad for the grace and mercy of Jesus. That's where I want to put my trust and faith. Because murderers are not going to be part of this. There's not going to be. Isn't that going to be amazing? Why? Because we won't even let our kids go five feet from us in this world. And men, in that world, it's going to be just like, all right, yay. Because there's no murderers there. There's no murderers. I don't even think we'll have news because there's nothing to report. Well, God was glorified today. Film at 11. Did I do that right, Mike? Is that, is that good? Okay, good. Because Mike's, Mike's our, he's our news guy. He's our news guy. But what about the sexually immoral? Because he says, and if you look this up, this is like the, the sex traffickers, guys. These are, these are the sexually immoral, but it also includes pornographers. It, it includes musicians and TV and movie producers. It includes all of these that are sexually immoral. He says, check this out. He says, sorcerers are not going to be there. And you go, well, I hope not. But the actual word from sorcerer, if you, if you have a pencil handy, check it out. It actually means pharmakia. Pharmakia. You go, what does that mean? It's the, it's the traffickers of drugs. It's where we get our English word, pharmacy. Pharmakia. It's actually derivative of a sorcerer. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. It says idolaters. We all know what that is. Worship of idols. Okay? Worship of idols, including someone who doesn't come to Christ because they value something more than Jesus. You realize that when we give an invitation, if somebody's here and does not give their life to Christ, first of all, it's a work of the Holy Spirit, not me or any one of us, but it's because they actually value something higher than Jesus. Usually their lifestyle, a relationship, you guys can fill in the blank. And last but not least, where it's a safe place because he says those are not, liars are not going to come into the kingdom. Liars. And what this really means is those who habitually lie. Lying is more, it's much more than an untruth. Lying can mean, check this out, you ready? Not living what you profess. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, think about what, what John wrote in 1 John 1, 6, when he said, if we say that we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. This is, this is deep, church. You got real quiet. We were laughing a minute ago, and I was like, oh, I know. 
I know because we don't want to misrepresent God. If we say, I am a believer and we walk in the darkness of the world, guess who lies? We do. That's what he's saying. You don't have the truth in us. Why? Everybody say why. Because there should be a change in us. There should be a change that that produces righteousness and love and joy. And we don't want to go back to that stuff. So John says, and he says this, check this out. These shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Wow. Not only are they not going to be in the kingdom, they're going to be in the lake of fire. And so it's a brand new world. In every way. It's totally amazing, totally satisfying, safe place. Evil is removed. But what's crazy next, guys, is John gives us a radical description. Look at verse 9. He says, One of the angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven plagues came to me, and he talked with me. So now he's talking to an angel. He says, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away to the spirit, to the great high mountain, and showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like what? Like a jasper, clear as crystal. She also had a great high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, and the names on them, and which the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12, what is this, guys? Foundations. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Really quickly, for my Bible students... I wonder if one of the foundations is going to be Matthias. Because Judas was no more. Do you remember? Or would it be Paul as an apostle? I don't know. Just want to put that out there. Where are we? Verse 15. And he talked with me. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city. So now he's reading. It's gates and it's walls. And the city laid out, notice, out as a square. And its length as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed. Twelve, notice, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, its breadth, its height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 140 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And the construction of the wall were like jasper. The city is pure gold, clear like glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with precious stones. First, the first foundation was jasper, sapphire, notice. Um, the fourth was emerald. The fifth was sardex. The sixth was with, with sardis. Um, and the seventh was chrysolite. And er, the eighth was beryl. The ninth with topaz. The tenth was praise and the eleventh with um, Janeth, and the twelfth was Amethyst. And so he's saying, check this out. This is a crazy description of what heaven 
and the new earth is going to look like, the, the new heaven and new earth coming down. You need to understand that it's square. It's square. But what I found interesting is that people will read this and go, wait a minute, if every single believer from the time the earth began to now, is there going to be enough room? Well, you need to understand that it's it's just as high as it is wide. And my understanding is that the first foundation is 2,250,000 square miles. That's how big it is. So it's not like, well, it's as big as Texas, and it's straight up. No, 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 it's huge. The city. They'll have plenty of room for all of us. And I wonder how high it is, because some indicate 14 to 1,500 miles just as wide, just as high, just... It's just amazing, but let me, let me let you think on that for a minute because I want to see something. I want you to see something very interesting that I think applies to our life, okay? Notice it's a city of transparency. You go, what do you mean? It's the constant mention of transparency indicates the city is designed to transmit the glory of God everywhere. It's very transparent. And some have even suggested that the city is transparent so the glory of God could be seen from any place. But 2,250,000 square miles, it's transparent, and the glory of God is shown throughout all of it. You go, Ben, what's the application? I think we can grasp something really beautiful out of this verse. Being transparent in our lives brings healing. Just being being who we are. The problem is, is when we're not transparent, we've got to hide little things. And man, we are who we are. We are who we are, and 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 we know. And and when the, and when the enemy and even and even well-meaning Christians come and they want to start pointing fingers at our sin, you go, Amen. That's why Jesus died. I'm walking the same path as you. I may not be where you are, but I'm walking the same path. I get it. I'm not perfect, but I'm striving. I'm going. I'm transparent. We don't want transparency because it shows the little flaws in us. We're full of flaws. When we own that, we're free. We're free. A beautiful, beautiful picture Beautiful picture, guys, of this amazing, I mean, these pearls, guys, these gates. I mean, think about how beautiful that's going to be. It's going to be transparent. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Think about this. Wow. You have homework. Revelation 21, look up 15 and 16, and just, if you get a chance, just try to figure out how big that is or what that really looks like. You can go on the internet, it's okay. 
See what you come up with. But as we close, as we close, notice verse 27 with me. He says, but there shall be no means, but there shall be no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. It says, this is it, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. As we get ready, guys, to finish up this amazing book next week, what did the Lord just say? He says, listen, nobody, there's not going, here, here's what we need to understand. There is not going to be a single person go, listen, I've got it in with God. Me and him, we've got a great relationship. We've got our own special relationship. I've had people who were in the midst of sin tell me that them and God had it all worked out. As we lovingly came alongside this person and said, no, no, you are, this is wrong. Biblically, this is, no, no, I've got it worked out with God. No, the word of God says, no, no, listen, listen. He's not going to sit there and wink at our little life that, that he says nothing is going to defile it. We need to be right with God. We cannot cross our fingers and hope I make it in. Because God loves us so much, he says, he opens his arm, he says, come, I've got you. We've got to take that step. In 10th grade, I had a group of girls witness to me all the gospel of Jesus Christ. I could tell you where I was sitting in that room. I could tell you everything they said. But it never reached my heart. You see, I walked out and I said, well, God, if I'm good, I'll go to heaven. If I'm bad, I'll go to hell. You choose. I just thank the Lord he didn't listen to that prayer. Because then he sent me my best friend whose dad was a pastor. And it finally reached my heart. And I think a lot of people say, well, God, if I'm good, I'll go to heaven. If I'm bad, I'll go to hell. You choose. That's, that's how I'm going to live my life. And the word of God says, that's not how I do things. And so we have to open up our hearts and we have to say yes to the Lord. You see, he's not asking us to change our behavior. He's asking us to invite him inside and let him do that work himself. We've got Christianity all wrong. Well, you need to come to church and you need to behave and you need to do this. No, you need to be right with God. He needs to be your all in all. He needs to be your all in all. Father, your greatness is amazing and wonderful. And we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for your great love. And we pray now, Lord, that you would um, simply, through the power of your Holy Spirit, send out an invitation for everyone's name to be written in the Lamb's Book in Life. And I pray, God, that, that it would be. That we would say yes to Jesus. Lord, your word says, but only those, 
but only those are going to enter the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the new city coming down. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, my prayer is that our names are written, every one of us, every one of us watching, every one of us listening, that we would believe and say yes to you. I thank you for those that are searching. I thank you for those that are skeptics because I know you're going to meet them right where they're at. So do a work. How beautiful the work that you always do. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.